It's so good to see you guys. Uh, my name's Phil Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here. Before I introduce this awesome couple to my left, no, I'm kidding, my right. Um, I, wa- I-, I see we have a special guest here, and I, I know that they probably just want to remain under the radar, but all the way from El Salvador, it's so good to see Bobby and Brittany Hibbs. Would you stand? These are some incredible, bold, courageous missionaries that go to the darkest, most dangerous places of the earth. Yeah, that's right, to present the gospel of Jesus. So we love you guys. Love on them before they go. May you fill your tanks up while you're here. We love you, and you better call me before you leave so we can connect. Um, Over here, we have Jeff and Tiffany uh, Wiss. You know Tiffany because she has been our E-Kids director for uh, five years. And uh, now she has transitioned. Michael Miller has taken that place uh, for a six-month position. And now they have entered a new season of their calling. And it is, Jeff, it's so good to see you operate in your calling and to see you two as a couple to bring your gifts and your shepherding uh, calling uh, to the ministry. So I want to just kind of introduce the new youth student ministry called AIM. Um, and I would love for you guys just to give a little bit of information uh, for us so that we can kind of all get on board. And this is not just for parents. This is not just for students. Maybe up empty nesters, grandma and grandpa, you have a part to play in pouring into the next generation. We all as a church have a part to play. This is not a separate ministry, and I'm not going to start preaching, but would you share with us a little bit of um, how we can kind of get to know more about uh, the youth program? So Jeff, go ahead. Sure. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. Um, so we, um, we came up with a newsletter, and it's, we've handed out some already this morning, but they're in the back on the back side of the sound booth on those wood shelves. Um, And uh, we're gonna do this every quarter. And um, so this first edition, it has some information about us, who we are, contact information for us. Um, It's got all of our events through July. And then uh, it also has information about who we are as a ministry and what we wanna do. And so um, our vision for AIM, and, and let me back up, AIM Student Ministries, um, comes from Second Corinthians uh, chapter five verse nine, and it says, "Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him." And so, um, yeah, the logo's up on the board right now. So, uh, well, our vision for AIM is to create a safe environment for students uh, to experience the love of Jesus, to grow in their relationships with each other, and build a strong foundation on God's word, which they can carry into adulthood. Um, so, through that, we have some different. Um, uh, opportunities and events that we do. Um, our Sunday night service is from 5 to 6.30, and that's called AIM. And what we do is we focus on 7th through 12th grade ministries uh, where we have lots of fun together. Uh, we play games, we eat food, we fellowship, and then we dig into God's Word. And that happens every Sunday night. Can I step in? You said 7th to 12th grade. Um, that might be a um, just something that people's ears had caught. What, what is that? Are sixth graders still welcomed the, or no? As you're, uh, so we, the original ministry, uh, the previous ministry was a sixth through 12th grade. Those students are obviously grandfathered in. As soon as your student now graduates or gets out of the sixth grade and is going into the seventh grade, so at the beginning of summertime, so like here in two weeks, we're going to have new students coming in that will be seventh graders. Seventh graders. Yeah. Great. 
Um, every other Friday night, we're going to do uh, what's called Focus. Uh, and Focus is a Bible study, um, and it'll be held at our house. It'll be two hours long. Um, we're going to have uh, food there. We're going to do fellowship, probably icebreakers. And then we're really going to dig into God's Word. This is going to be a Bible study. We're going to have plan study every other Friday, um, and that's from 7 to 9 at our house. And then the last, in uh, uh, the kind of the big event that we do, we do on the last Sunday of every month, is called Point. Um, and Point, and if you notice, it's aim, focus, point, trying to be yeah, intentional. I trying to think if there was a theme or not. Yeah. I just didn't know. So um, Point, basically what Point is, Point's an acronym for what we do. Um, the P stands for play. We get together, we play games, we, we play sports. Um, we have <clears throat> all kinds of fun stuff to do. O is outreach. This is where your student is encouraged to bring friends. If they bring friends, they get registered for a prize, and either that student or the guest can win a gift every week or every every uh, last Sunday of the month. I is intentional. We want to be intentional about loving teens in this ministry. Um, N is for nourishment. Again, we have food. We have usually we cook out on these nights, so it's a lot of fun. And then T is for um, transformational. Well, that's what we want this ministry to be. We want to transform the lives of the students in this community. Um, and so I think, yeah. Sorry, it's killing me not to talk. Um, <laughs> for point nights, every month we're going to have a theme. So every, <laughs> you'll see on Facebook and we'll um, have it on Instagram, there's going to be theme. And just so any student that's here that maybe hasn't checked it out, you want to come in May because we're doing a scavenger hunt all over Blanchester. So it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to need adult drivers. So I had to do that plug. <laughs> That's why it's good having your wife because she always remembers things you don't. So, um, yeah. Awesome. And, and uh, let's just say they started April 1st. They have wasted no time. Why? It's because they're called to invest in the next generation. And they're no nonsense about it. They want to partner with you parents. They cannot disciple your kids by themselves. That's not their job. That's not their calling. It's your calling, parents, to disciple your kids. They want to partner with you to make an impact. So when your kids go off, bye-bye, um, they may leave you distance-wise and physically, but they're not going to leave their faith. They're not going to leave their relationship uh, with Christ. And so that's really important. So speaking of not wasting any time, you've got some big fundraisers coming up. And can you just tell us first why? And then can you tell us the two main fundraisers right now? Yeah, so um, real quick, on the back of this is more information about camp. And um, we want at least every student's parent to take one of these. But we printed a lot of these, and we're going to have these like every week. Um, so please take them and read them. Uh, but Tiffany's going to talk about the fundraisers. And what is Rush Camp? Yeah, we're going to be going, we're really excited about it. It's the first youth camp we've ever done here at ECC, and it's called Rush Camp, and it's at Camp Chautauqua. And I don't know how many of you adults were able to have the privilege to go to youth camp when you were a teenager, but I had the privilege, and I will say I honestly don't think I'd be where I'm at today if it hadn't been for going to youth camp. I cannot say enough at how much transformation takes place at these camps. It's something about getting your teen out of their normal environment in a new place. The Holy Spirit just moves. Um, if you have a teenager and they're not registered yet, it is not too late. They can still come. We still have a lot of openings. Uh, if you haven't been to youth group, still come. There's going to be hundreds of teens there, and it's just going to be a great way. We are so excited to have a whole week uh, to be able to just 
be with the teens and have fun yeah. and get closer to the Lord. Really and they have important. a very, very low goal to get kids to the uh, rush camp. They want every single kid that's in AIM Student Ministries now to have a chance to go. Every single kid. And we understand it's it's a low price. Yes, camp can be pricey. This camp is very reasonable, but it's still, it can be pretty expensive, especially if you're like us and you have multiple kids that are going. So what we're trying to do is we're having some fundraisers. And uh, Jana Mays, thank you so much. She's been such a help, and so many parents have already gotten involved. But next Sunday, we are going to have a Mother's Day boutique, a way to bless moms and also bless all of our teens that want to go to camp. So moms, so, nudge Nudge yes. the dad and the kids yes. and say, listen up, moms. So here's some of the things that we're going to have for moms. We're going to have pampering kits, and these are full of, like, bath bombs and lotion and chocolates and all the things that us moms really, really like in these pampering kits. And we're going to have bouquets. So there you go. You can get your mom a pampering kit, a bouquet of flowers. You're done. You got your Mother's Day check, and you um, supported a teen to go to rush camp. Uh, we're also going to have baked goods available next Sunday. We're going to have um, all this set up in the lobby. If you would like to go ahead today, um, we're going to have signups. I have some of the teens set with clipboards in the lobby when church ends. Find one of them and sign up, and you'll see each item has a suggested donation underneath. Um, that's just we're trying to, you know, make it worth all the work of doing the fundraiser. Um, but, you know, you can give whatever you feel um, the Lord's put on your heart to give to help get these teens to camp. But we hope that you come out next Sunday and support us. We also have candy bar sales going on. And you'll see at the cafe we have a box out. They're a dollar bar. So, and that's going to be ongoing. So any Sunday morning if you're picking up your latte and you... Oh, a candy bar sounds kind of nice first thing in the morning. Does a candy bar oh, work with body? the keto diet? I'm just curious. Yes. Does it? Totally. Cool. You know, we prayed over them. We took out all the, the calories. Yeah, Daniel, when he prays for his cheesesteak from AJ's Pizza, he says, Lord, make this a salad in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's right. One, one last thing. Um, I've already had several people approach me about... Uh, scholarship opportunities mm. and um, we just we have some generous generous people in this church and so again we want this to be affordable uh, we want every teen every student in AIM and in this church to be able to go and so if, if there's any concern about the price please see me it's very discreet and we've we've already been blessed by a lot of people that want to bless teens that might not be have the resources. Awesome. Can we pray real quick? Would you join me? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for putting a calling and a gifting in Jeff and Tiffany. Thank you for all the things the last eight years, 10 years as a church that we've been through to get us to this point. Father, we do pray for every student in this uh, ECC ministry and in our community and every student that is going to be going to this camp. Lord Jesus, would you just do something very special in the season of their life that will change them for all of eternity? We pray that you would use our gifts, our giving, our generosity, and our finances to bless these kids to be able to be blessed by experiencing you in a special way this summer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jeff and Tiffany. Can we thank them?
We just got a lot of awesome things happening that we just want to share with you. In the the month of June, we're going to be uh, sharing more of our heart and our vision and direction, especially for those who may not uh, have been coming here uh, long and just wondering what it is, what's our vision, what do we stand for, where are we going, what, what does it look like to get out in the community. We're going to do that probably in the month of June and July. But here's Pastor Daniel, and uh, he has been leading and working so very hard on this 10-week season at, uh, on our, our small groups. And so would you mind just giving us a recap of uh, what went down yeah, these last 10 weeks. Yeah, weeks. sure. And thanks for letting the cat out of the bag about my secret about my cheesesteaks and no problem. how I keep this physique no, in no, eating no a lot problem. of cheesesteaks. Yes. Um, anyway, so yes, we just ended our 10-week uh, small group season. This was the first time that we did a 10-week uh, season. Uh, and God showed up. I mean, it was awesome. It really was. We, um, we had 154 people connected in small groups over the season. We had uh, 74 new people that hadn't been connected in groups in the past six months. Say what? Connected in groups. and Guys, that's, that is awesome. Yeah, that was. What's, what's that percent of our average attendance? So that's that 70% of our average attendees were connected in some sort of small group. And so that was just, uh, those, those numbers are staggering and that's all God. And that's, that's just awesome. You guys are amazing. And Kudos to and thank you so much for the leaders that sacrifice so much of their their times, their weeks, uh, their energy, their effort uh, to pour into people. And so that's it's awesome. And um, why we do 10 weeks is just we we wanted to introduce periods of rest because as as um, I would say, as all of us, as we struggle with this, we struggle with rest. We struggle with taking time away to rest, to pause, to stop. And so sometimes even in ministry, we can just go, 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 go constantly, and it can feel so overwhelming. And so we wanted to just introduce small group seasons so there would be times to get connected, times to be poured into, and then also times to rest. However, the groups are still meeting. So if you have missed the small group season, if you would like to still get connected, come see me. There's groups that are meeting. There's even groups that are starting even in this kind of rest period just because that's what people are wanting to do. And I'm saying, go. It's awesome. So fill out a connect card. Uh, you can uh, see me. You can put it in the welcome center. And we'd be more than happy to uh, connect you with that. Uh, so, and also, we have a couple people that were uh, wanted to just share a little bit. So Ernie, do you guys want to come up? And uh, just to share a little bit about how group impacted them. So this is Ernie, and then we have Libby and Devin. So, all right, Ernie, you got the mic, man. I guess me and my wife are both in a small group together. We're actually separate. But it has led us and inspired us to start a group in our homes with our children. And, and the ways that, that this has connected us with our children and ways that we've been able to reach them is blowing my mind. It's, it's like nothing I've ever imagined. Uh, Ernie sent me a uh, video he took with his phone. If I can, yeah. can I just touch on that? Um, he uh, was just going down the hallway or whatever, checking on the kids, and they're in their bedroom with the door cracked, and they're praying. All three of them praying. That is mind blowing. It's it's made them start to ask questions that I never knew they would even have. I mean, it's. And it's really inspired us to, to just study together as a couple and as a family. Whew. You're good parents. 
Good parents, Kara. Hi, Libby. Hey. <laughs> a little nervous. Don't be nervous. So I started with a small group mainly because I wanted to get connected. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Can you hear me? <laughs> I wanted to get connected with some of the women here. I just wanted to feel closer, and when we first moved back, I kind of pushed away, like I'll be with my family and nobody else, and getting with a small group really pulled me in, and I feel very connected with the church now. Um, But from Josh and I, for our marriage, we weren't in the same small group, but we were studying the same thing. And we were able to bounce, you know, our opinions on the scripture back and forth. And it just, it brought us closer together. It's a moment of where you're looking at the person and you're getting a deeper understanding of how their brain works. And I've known him since I've been a little kid, you know, but I know him even better now, you know, so it was really good. I recommend it. Get in a group. Thank you, Libby. Devin. Good morning. Devin. How are you doing today? Good. Um, one of the first things I'd like to say is thank you to everyone in my small group um, for the persistence and help in my path with Christ. Um, one thing I would like to say is, is one thing that I learned during my small group is April 2nd, um, I attested that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. probably one of the harder things that uh, I would say up here, but um, with that faith, um, God's faith in me, God's faith in you, um, if you're sitting in the crowd right now and you're thinking that, oh, I, I can do this alone, I assure you, you cannot. Um, I've been there, I've sat there, I've thought that, oh, I can go to work tomorrow and I'm going to be able to fix this piece of equipment and I can do it by myself. Now I get out of my service truck and everything works, everything goes easy, and I thank God for it, because everything day-to-day was a struggle, everything was an argument with myself, with anybody around me, and I thought it was the good life, and I assure you it was not, and God is showing me what the good life is right now, and you just need to stick with him, and he will stick with you. Amen. Wow, thank you, thank you, you three. Thank you. So it's, it's, it's stuff like this that I love. I love this. It's awesome. And, and this is what the body of Christ is about. When it says all the one another and love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, this happens in our community. It happens in our small groups. And I can stand here today testifying that small groups changed my life. Jesus saved me, and Jesus is doing the transformation, but it was a band of people around me that cultivated that transformation and and saw things in me and poured into me in ways that I wouldn't have ever imagined. And so get connected. Come see me. Get connected into this. And we've got other stuff going on in this this rest period. Yeah. Men's and women's ministry will still be going through the summer. Yes. We're going to have our breakfast. The women's breakfast just happened. They just had their Mother's Day uh, breakfast that was amazing. I think it was like something like 43 ladies or something that were coming to that. And so that's the first first Saturday of every month. And the men, we get together on the third Saturday. So find ways to get connected. There's opportunities here. We want to we want you to come in and be a part of what God is doing. Yeah. And then we'll do it another 10 
eight-week season come up, coming up in the fall. Um, but there's still groups meeting, so we can plug you on in. Absolutely. I just want to thank you, Pastor Daniel, um, ever since, yeah. You're the real deal, man. Cheesesteak and all. You are the real deal. And uh, I, I mean this, and I, I want the congregation to hear this. If I could be half the man and the husband and daddy that you are, um, I'd be a fulfilled man. So you are real and hardly, well, there's really anyone, no one that I know that has a passion for reaching the individual for Christ and discipling them and loving them like Daniel. And so I'm so thankful for you, brother. Thank you. Bring it, bring it in, man. Bring it in. So that's a little bit of flay flavor <laughs> of what's going on. Our mission here at ECC is to fully connect you to Christ, his community, and his cause. That's what we long to see. And we're in a series right now um, called Let's Fight. This was birthed out of a series called A Wake-Up Call to the Church, talking about the abortion issue and all the different things that are going on that we as Christians are like, what do we do? How do we respond? What do we say? What does this look like? Is the world coming crashing down? What do we do? And so we did this series. We're on the uh, seventh week of this series, and uh, we are talking about ways that the church, the local church and the body of Christ around the world is to rise up, not be silent anymore, to rise up and respond to the darkness around us in this dying world and the people who live within it, who are blind and lost. The problem is we see so many people saying they're Christians and they respond in a way that is contrary to the life of Jesus. And so we want to align our hearts with the word of God and with the ways of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to respond that reflects God's heart and it takes different components to do that. And so we're in this series called Let's Fight because I don't know if you know it, but we're in a real battle. The battle is raging for our souls and for the lost out there because our time is short and the enemy knows that. And one of the chief objectives, the enemy, Satan himself and all his armies, it's real. One of his chief objectives is to bring division amongst the body of Christ and to silence the name and the word of God from everyone's lips, ears, and eyes. And so he is going to do whatever he can to keep us from the first theme or component we, we addressed was truth, God's truth. What God says goes. If we don't believe in God's word, do you know what he calls us? The word says he calls us liars. Anyone who is living or talking or speaking anything contrary to truth is considered a liar. And so we as Christians, in order to respond, we need to understand truth. Why? Because truth sets you free. 
Satan does not want you to be set free. He wants you to be held in bondage, separated from God, now and for all of eternity. He also doesn't want you to understand worship as a lifestyle. Because worship brings liberty. It brings freedom. He does not want you, Christians, walking in freedom, let alone joy. Because when you worship, guess what? The atmosphere, wherever you're at, changes. Try it, if you don't believe me. And if you believe me, try it some more. The enemy does not want us to understand the reality and the power of worship. Thirdly, the enemy does not want us to pray. The enemy does not want us to understand that it's so much more than communication with God. It's deepening our lives in the presence of God. You may feel like you're not close with God. Or you may say, you know, this week, I just didn't spend time alone with him. I feel so far away. Well, he's never left you. Well, I haven't felt close to God. Well, he's close to you. It's his presence, and he wants to engage with you and be with you, and he wants you to just run after him and think of him and be mindful of his presence. Satan doesn't want that to happen. Prayer is your weapon. Worship is a weapon. The word of God, the truth of God is a weapon. And finally, and above all, I would even say, yeah, this is the most important one that Satan does not want Christians to enter into, let alone understand and live it out, and it's called unity. Unity is a weapon that brings power, like worship can't bring, like prayer can't bring, like truth can't bring. Now, all of them are required. I'm not saying they're not important. They're all required. But unity is the voice piece, the voice mechanism, the power of the witness to the world that what we believe and what we say we believe is true. So let's look at how unity exists in the world around us, shall we? We live in a wonderful nation, the United States of America, my opinion, the best country in the entire world. We are truly, truly blessed. And we were founded on a constitution that is just God-honoring in so many ways. And the whole purpose of the political system started to unite all nations under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That is a beautiful thing, and it aligns itself with God's word. That's, that's the heart of our nation. But now what do we see? For hundreds of years, we've seen this. We've seen politicians getting up, candidates getting up, and promising everything to unite both parties, to unite all people. And what do they do the moment they step off the platform? The politicians that are promising this unity are backstabbing, manipulating, mocking, hating, and causing division 
to a country that they're promising unity. Yes, that's a general statement. I'm not making a judgment call to the hearts of the politicians, but that's what we're seeing. Are we not? Let's make it a little more personal in our community. The police protection forces in our communities, the whole purpose of them were to protect us, our community, our families for the better good. And now we're seeing racism and hatred and all these accusations go on to where now citizens are against the police. And now the police are scared and living in fear and against the people and racism is involved all across this country. There's division. There's not unity. Now we have families. Family was God's design of unity. Some of you have family members that you have ostracized and won't talk to for what? For what? I can guarantee you in the scheme of things and in eternity, it's petty. He said, she said, she did, he did. And you're allowing division to be in your homes. You don't think that's a ploy of the enemy? Employees now working for the same company are completely divided because they're out for self-gain, out for their own success, their own thing, let alone not the company's best interest. It's their interest, their gain. It's not unity at all. It's not unity at all. Let's look at our schools all across the Cincinnati area and this country. Schools exist and were created to give our kids a good, safe education. Now we got guns entering the schools, students being shot and killed, teachers now living in fear. We've got some teachers and boards that just don't see eye to eye. We've got teachers losing their jobs because of this and that, and we've got students against the teachers and the teachers against the students. There's not unity in our schools. Where's God? right we pushed him out of the schools so that's why we come to the church of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ and his followers should be the answer right the hope Jesus says we're the hope of the world we're the light of the world a city on a hill Unified under one purpose and one mind, and there is power, wonder-working power, yes, in the blood, but of those who are unified in the blood. And what do we see? We see churches, I, I, am, I am not making this up. We see churches divide over donuts. We see churches divide over sanctuary chairs and seats that have been the family's seats 
for years and someone just sat in my seat. I'm not going to this church anymore. We have become a cruise ship church. Not a battleship. Any Navy veterans out there? Come on, Mr. Cardinal. And all you Navy veterans, there is unity under one purpose on that ship. You may not agree with the orders. You may not agree with what you're doing. You may not agree with how you're doing it, but you come together under one united force. And that's why we have killer military for the United States of America, because they're united. Differences, all backgrounds, different religions, different ways of life, different opinions. But when they're called to war, they cannot succeed divided. We are called to war as a local church and a global church of Christ. And we are not winning the war. God is because he's sovereign. But we're not winning the war because we are not united. We see all these different things, petty, small, non-essential, that divide our church. Whether you should wear a suit in your best Sunday garments or you come just as you are with jeans and shirts. Honestly, this is my best. I make it look good. <laughs> when I have to dress up for a wedding and a funeral, that's not my best. That's not my best. But you know what? If a suit and a hat and a bonnet is your best, wear it and worship God with what you have. But just don't judge other people who don't dress like you. That's what makes our culture here so attractive and, and, and unresistible in that sense. It's because God brings us freedom. We're not going to divide over that stupid stuff. And it is stupid. Where people across the world are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're dividing over donuts. And contemporary versus traditional. And one service versus three services. And a bigger building versus this and that. It's crazy, guys. And then we get to the global, the local church. Not just, not just the local, but the, the global church of Christ. The body of Christ. All genuine, sincere believers in Jesus And we have a problem because most people don't want to become Christians because of the Christians that they know they don't want to become. We have TV evangelists slamming other TV evangelists because they don't believe the way they think they should. Calling them blasphemers and non-Christians, and we got this huge debate over TV evangelists and all this stuff when we're missing the entire point. 
Theological debates, they're there. They're never going to go away. I even believe we're going to be talking about it in heaven, and Jesus is going to say, shut up. <laughs> I'm here. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Let's get on with it. And churches, we've, we've got at least 10 churches right in our community. And I'm not pointing fingers at any churches. We have great churches in this community and surrounding communities. But we, there is a spirit in almost every community that chokes the churches of coming together. And we split because of differences. And now we're competing after the same people and swapping sheep. And competing in attendance. Well, that church has this. We have, we have this many. Comparing outreaches and comparing theological stances, and it divides us and it needs to stop because we have a dying world looking to the church for answers, and we have none. Jesus said something so incredibly and profound that needs to speak to each and every one of us and all the churches in America and in this world. He says this in John 13, 34. He says this, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. He did not say by the truth you stand for, people will know that you are my disciples by your theological doctrine. It's important. I'm not throwing that out. But he did not say that. He did not say that by your expressive, incredible life of worship and you coming on Sunday morning and lifting your hands and praying, praising God with all you have, people will know that you are his disciples. I believe that's part of it. He did not say that by your prayer life, people will know that you are my disciples. He's speaking to believers, disciples, and he says this, by your love and self-sacrificial service to other believers, the body of Christ, they on the outside will know that you have Jesus inside. by the way you are unified with other believers. He did not say, by the way you love people. We are called to love all people. But he says, those who are in the family of God, those, those are the ones you're supposed to love, so much so that the outside, the lost, dark world looks in and says, I want that. It's about unity. And we're going to pursue as a local church. We're going to pursue that heart of unity. John 17. John 17. We're going to look at that for the remaining of our time. Jesus plants such powerful, man, jam-packed, potent secrets to how we're to respond to the dark world around us through our unity. And so if you have your Bibles and your phone app, I would love for you to look at that. And as we read, I want you to look for three things. 
I want you to look for three things. Number one, I want you to look at the unity that Jesus has with his Father and that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And I want you to, number two, see your, the, the, the urgency and importance of your unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, I want us to see the secrets to us as a local and a global church of Christ having unity and the power of that. This is Jesus's largest, longest recorded prayer. And he is speaking in the presence of the other disciples. And so I'm going to read this. The text that is highlighted in orange or red, however you see it on the screen, I would like for you all as a body to read loud and strong. So let's read this together. Verse 6. John 17, verse 6. It's a longer passage, so stick with me. I have manifested, Jesus speaking, your name, Father, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here we go. I am All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, Judas Iscariot, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. Can you imagine this? And things, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only meaning the ones present, those who are believing with, with, in him right now, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. He's praying for us. So let's read this together then. That they... The glory that you gave me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, and that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, 
I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them. So, Father, right now, with the few minutes we have remaining, speak to us. Capture us. Eliminate all distractions in the powerful name of our risen Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, next week is part two, so we're going to apply all this. But before the band comes up, I want us to look at three things. Did you see those three things in the, in the scripture? So number one is Jesus' unity with the Father. Why is that important? It's because Jesus said, may they be one just as we are one. So if we're supposed to be one, we need to understand what that oneness looks like, correct? Jesus came from heaven. He left his throne. And he came as a vehicle, uh, in the vehicle of human flesh. Still divine nature, God, but human body, flesh, under the curse of the world in this dark world. He did not sin because his unity with God was unstoppable and unbreakable. Fully human, yet fully God. No way that Christ could fulfill the cost of the cross and his divine calling and his rescue mission without the unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2 says this, it's profound. It says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped because he was God. He emptied himself. That means everything of God emptied. The divine, heavenly, perfect nature emptied himself and took on human form. And so because he was emptied, of himself in human form, he needed unity with the Father, and he needed divine filling of the presence of God. Now, it could be debated when that happened, what, all that. We're not going to get into that. But he needed the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 1 through 2. This is so important. Look at this. Luke 1, it's not on the screen, by the way, so you might want to write it down, jot it down. Luke 4 says, in Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Son of God, fully man, fully full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And then it says, and Jesus returned out from the 40 days in the power of the Spirit. Jesus now is one with the Father, one with the Spirit, to carry out this three-year ministry to the cross, to the grave, and to the heavens. But first, Luke then goes to Nazareth, and he reads this from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's upon him. To what? To bring the anointing that God has given him and to proclaim the good news to the poor. And then we see in John 5, verse 19, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing apart from the Father. Whatever the Father's doing, the Son is doing. Whatever the Father's not doing, the Son's not doing. There was many times in the Gospels where Jesus said, it's not my time yet. God's not in this yet. I'm up to my Father's business. He was one with the Father. He was one with the Spirit. 
What does oneness, what does that unity look like then? It's three things. Number one is the unity of the Jesus, uh, um, excuse me, not that, uh, unity of a common mind and purpose. Do we have that? Unity of a common mind and purpose. They were one in their purpose. Jesus said, this is why I have come to seek and save the lost and bring the kingdom of God. He was always in an alignment with God's purpose. Number two, he was, there was an unstoppable force of mutual sacrificial love between the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Don't believe me? Look at the crucifixion. Look at Gethsemane. Look at the prayers like John 17. There's a sacrificial love. You cannot have God's unity without self-sacrificing love. That's why it's so difficult for us. You probably wouldn't die for the person in the row behind you, let alone your kids die for them. So we see a unity of a common mind and purpose. Number two, we see an unstoppable force of mutual and sacrificial love. Number three, we see an unbreakable cohesion of togetherness. I love that. Ecclesiastes says a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That's the kind of unity we see. So Jesus had perfect unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. Number two, So let's look at our individual, your individual unity with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you God's adopted child? Have you been forgiven and set free from your sin? And have you aligned your heart to the cross of Calvary that has paid your sin? And have you allowed Jesus to come in with the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill you and make you his dwelling place. Because here's the thing. The church can't be unified if the individuals aren't unified with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's called religion when it's not that. It's just doing and going through the motions. The only way we can have divine, pure, perfect unity and oneness is to have oneness ourselves with the Father, to be genuinely captured by Jesus the Son, to make him Lord of our lives, and to sacrifice our lives to reflect Jesus to others. If that hasn't happened in your life, now's the time. You confess your sins to God, and he is gracious and merciful to forgive you and set you free and make you new and unify you with a loving God, the Son who died for you, and the Holy Spirit that wants to bring you new life and power. And the third point, is the unity of all believers who have been genuinely captured. This is the power of God displayed for all to see. The band can come up, by the way. So just as Jesus was unified, what would it look like for us 
to be unified under one purpose, to bring the kingdom of God, to seek and save the lost, to bring them to Jesus, to go out into the world, present the gospel and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to self-sacrifice ourselves for the benefit of other believers to your left, to your right, in front of you, and behind you. That's when the world, that's when Blanchester will know what we stand for. The gossip, the rumors, the assumptions, the talking, the bitterness, whew, bitterness will rob a church body of all the life that God wants to give them. All that needs to be laid at the cross in order for us to be the church, the local church that God is calling us and that Jesus died for us to be. So do we have a unified common purpose? We'll share about that next week and in the coming weeks. Do we, as an ECC body here, do we have a mutual and reckless, selfless love for one another? And thirdly, do we have an inseparable, unbreakable bond here, locally, here, that is brought together and built together in togetherness? Or is it about checking things off your Christian list, getting in the car and going home? In closing, I want you to understand that there are true results true, powerful results of unity that we're talking about here. Number one, Jesus says in John, he says that they would be fulfilled in joy. When we are unified and loving and serving each other, it's not about coming to church to get our cups filled anymore. It's about filling other people's cups up. There's joy in that. Secondly, will be rooted in the truths of God. Everyone will be built up and discipled as we're serving and loving and growing together. Third, we'll be set apart, consecrated, means holy, set apart for what? For ourselves? No, for each other, to serve the body of Christ and then to witness, which is the last one, to the world. To witness to the world. You want the world, our community, to be changed for Christ? Let's start with unity. Let's start loving others more than ourselves. And we're going to look at that next week. So I'm going to ask you just to stay where you're, seat, where, where you're sitting right now. And we're just going to make this song our prayer. And then we're going to close. And then we're going to love each other and be the church. Would you pray with me? Father, may we be one just as you are one with the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural, miraculous thing that can only happen through the power of your Spirit, the power of your Word, the power, the power of your risen Son. So we just lay down all grievances, all opinions, all theologies that really don't matter. We lay down all our preferences. We lay down all our prejudices. 
We lay down all of our sin. We lay down our arrogance and selfishness. We lay down our bitterness and our jealousy. And we ask you to make us one.